podcast. All right. It's happening once again, and we're back. Melting in a studio in here, so we'll see how this goes. I mean, our brains melt. Don't blame us too much, but otherwise, it's beautiful uh, in Vancouver, looking at the sunshine. Everything is good. Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, their goals, thoughts in the art world, and a lot, a lot more. Today, oh my God, today, we got a... Uh, well, I'll start with this, a live drawing pro, and it's true, and we're going to get into that for sure. He's an artist, designer, video game, concept, and VFX artist, mm-hmm. a very, very good friend, Aaron White. Oh, thanks, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for uh, making the show. Oh, I, I can't wait. I just found out about this recently, so, and as soon as I heard about it, I was excited to be on it, and I think the next day, <laughs> he, he sent me a message. So. There you go. That's how this timing works. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for uh, se- uh, giving me a couple of hours of... Uh, away from the sh- sunshine just to get in here and chat uh, oh, yeah. art one of the hottest days of the year probably or was maybe that was yesterday but oh my god if you're listening and you're outside of uh, vancouver that's where we are vancouver bc canada mm-hmm. and it's a pretty nice place uh, people think it snows here a lot but it, it doesn't and i wish it did mm-hmm. uh so aaron i've been today actually like revisiting your website and looking at the amount of work and range that you have in your portfolio which is really impressive. But one thing, I, uh, which uh, we'll get to that, one, one thing I want to start with is the live drawing and the love that you have for it. I feel like from the people mm-hmm. that I know in the city, or the artists I know, you're probably the one who's the most consistent with live drawing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just uh, I treat it like it's the thing that I love to do. Uh, if I have extra time, I want to go live drawing. And there's uh, a good crew of people who are kind of helping me support this habit. Mm-hmm. So I've got my uh, Dr. Sketchies, Sherry Contrary runs the burlesque life drawing, which is always, you know, the extra costumes and mm-hmm. just the funner version. Um, not not any more expensive, but it, it's a good night out. And, uh, you know, th- she's taking a break for the summer, but I, I've been going to that for, I think, eight or nine years now. It, it's it's wow. been right. going a while. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, where, where do you know where the love for it started out? Oh, it was definitely at Sheridan. Uh, I went to a really nice art college in Ontario, uh, Oakville, Ontario, and I had never done life drawing before. I didn't get any in high school. I hear some mm-hmm. people get that. Some of those people who start out early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're lucky, but yeah. I um, I had my first experience in college, and it was just saturated. We had uh, a life drawing class every week, but we had extra life drawing every evening, mm-hmm. and I think it took me maybe a month or two in college to discover it, and then I just, I went every night for about a year. Wow. <laughs> it's incredible. Like you, you meet some really nice people who are really f- focused on getting better. And uh, it was your, your social time, your social evening. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, just probably three hours a day for a year. And uh, That's solid. And, yeah. and I mean, talk about a way to get better at art. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know about you. Every time I talk to, well, actually any artist you speak to, one thing they'll say is that they need to be doing more of it. Two, I feel like when reading... Um, kind of suggestions from older artists um uh, you know even for example i'm speaking like Sargent or soroya or mm-hmm. other classical painters uh, um, drawing is always on top of the list you know to be a good oh, yeah. artist drawing is like it's a pillar oh yeah yeah know? yeah i mean i noticed that when you you start cross training between painting and drawing is mm-hmm. like your paintings get better faster than your drawings get better because you know the underlying structure is there and your mm-hmm. foundations are just going through the roof but yeah and uh, i'm uh I'm curious uh, about your school because when when I was uh, also although art institute uh, 
a bit of a different training, but I remember yeah. similar to you, uh, also finding out that the teachers were cool if you stopped by by a live drawing <laughs> class, which is uh, it's so nice, especially being out of school and realize you have to pay extra. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you want to go a couple of times a week, unless you're getting memberships, and it probably can get uh, expensive. But uh, did you have any? Uh, the, the teachers, can you talk about them? Did, were they? Uh, I, had, I had, uh, I, and I don't know, there's probably some other Sheridan grads in the city. I hope they remember Jerry Zeldin, but he was like this Toronto ar artist who just had the best light drying class ever. And I just remember my final year, um, it was the animation program at that point. Um, we were the final classical year, but Jerry Zeldin was this teacher who, he would let you kind of sneak into all of his classes. Awesome. Like I could, I could skip other classes and sneak into more life drawing. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it was such a treat because in your final year, you've got costumed life drawing. There's uh, models dressing up like boxers or in wedding gowns and just like, you never know what's going to happen in each class. And like, you just don't want to miss any single cl class because you'll, you'll see the drawings up on the wall later. And you'll be like, oh, I wish I'd been there. Like, look at this costume. Uh. I, I like that tradition too. Like the best drawings go on the wall. Is that oh, how it worked? Yeah, it was an elite, elite system. Like to get on the wall was such a point of pride. And I mean, you know, the most legendary people would maybe have like two drawings up on the <laughs> wall at the same time. It was like, oh, I think that maybe happened to me once. So it's just so proud. It's like, it's just <laughs> a piece of newsprint hanging up there. But, but you know, all the other years, like you, you've been through this art school and when, when you're in your first year, the art fundamentals, you're walking through the animation wing and you're just looking at these drawings that are just, like they're some of the most beautiful, mind-blowing things you've ever seen. And people are experimenting at that point too, like using rainbows of colors just mm -hmm. to create like a, a gorgeous life drawing. And um, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of like inspirational. Like I always say that I chose the animation program because the, there was an illustration program that was, you know, top-notch as well, but their life drawings were not the same. <laughs> like, they that's were good, <laughs> but they weren't the caliber that the animation uh, school had, so. That's awesome. So, you, mm -hmm. like, it's in, I like how you measured by life drawing <laughs> skills, and oh, that's yeah. actually solid. I mean, it, it, it's almost the same way you can judge an artist by how good they draw hands and feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's and around the same, yeah, I guess, area of thought. Yeah, and portraits, portraits too. Like, I could always just see the structure. Like, y you can be a really creative, experimental artist, but, oh, like, you want those hard foundational skills and I could just tell which school was teaching them. So mm. I was like, uh, I, I can be artsy fartsy on my own time, but like if I'm paying somebody to teach me, I wanna know like the technical bits. I want them to push me on the stuff that like you can't get wrong or, or you need to do whatever you wanna do. Like, totally, you're like, draw me a three-quarter uh, three down or up uh, <laughs> angle of portrait and we'll oh, test yeah. out your skills. Yeah. yeah, rotate these things in your head. Use your imagination to like, understand these forms like that that was the animation program it was just uh such a good time so did you so you did it uh when you're uh, looking to get in there animation was the first uh, ended up being the first choice of illustration yeah for sure for sure a at the time so it was like i did one year art fundamentals three years of classical animation mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I'd never looked back I, I really miss it it was a great program uh a lot of my peers have just gone on to so much success <laughs> So it's just like, I, I think we had a really good group of people who really dragged each other along and helped each other uh, learn as much as we could while we were there. But same with you, though. But what's interesting to me is you, uh, I, was, I mean, you can tell me more about your how your career progressed, but it seems like you did animation, but then you uh, moved to, it was like VFX and concept art, right? That was the next step. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think step. 
I think, I mean, I started out, my first job was an animation job, and it was it was flash animation. So I I'd learned all these traditional skills like drawing and um, putting together my own student film. But then my first job was doing kind of a, a cutesy flash cartoon, mm-hmm. um, which was at uh, what used to be called Studio B. I, I believe they're DHX now. And oh, then, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was a good job, a uh, good cute cartoon. You got paid how much footage you did. Um, I don't think my heart was really in it, so I kind of kept switching jobs a little i did some compositing on another cartoon show at bardell um i think they they you know they've gone on to great shows like rick and morty now and mm-hmm. um I, yeah i was just working on the kind of saturday morning stinkers like <laughs> selling action figures and trading cards and stuff and um you know they're, they're great jobs like they uh you know helped me establish myself in the city and i met a lot of really great people that i've stayed friends with since so um, but then, yeah, I just I think I wanted to get into games, and I think I was happy to be in games once I uh, started working on like, um, like what was the title? I started as a concept artist in video mm-hmm. games and working on some sports titles and uh, some strange uh, Korean property properties. Actually, it was a uh, ne- Nexon was yeah, yeah, yeah. a company trying to they're est- big. yeah they're yeah. big they're one of the biggest companies in the world and they were trying to establish a studio in Vancouver and uh, I met so many great people there. Um, but yeah, I went on to just work at some smaller studios. I kind of think I, I lucked out and dodged some of the, um, the, the bad culture, the big, the bigger <laughs> companies with the bad cultures. So I've had a really great time in video games. So and it's really unfortunate the big companies you're mentioning, or I mean the amount we've seen close over the last uh, number of years. That's uh, yeah, or even just the big layoffs. Like uh, I, I mean, not that I ha- <laughs> I haven't dodged all the layoffs, but <laughs> nobody can dodge layoffs in video games. Yeah, it, it's not the stablest inter- industry, but yeah, you know when a hundred people get laid off at once, and you know that's a that's a tough time. So man, I should have uh, started out this. Thing by saying that we used to work together. Yeah, yeah. Full disclosure. Video games, and also, <laughs> but also, I should have said, I'm trying to because as I was uh, driving here, I was thinking of how I met you, and I think it was Snag, the r- raffle art event. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rant I, created by Andrew Young. I think I got you a job. And that's I? so. That's that's the next thing I was going to say <laughs> is that Don't you. Don't want to brag. N- well, not actually, not just that. <laughs> I think you've. Y- I would not be in the position I am now, uh, in my career. If it wasn't for you, because uh, the story, the way it was that I was an animator and around the same time, around mm-hmm. that time, I was trying to do design and concept art and I was working on my yeah. portfolio, but I was not working as a concept artist. Then you were the guy who were like, hey, I'm working at the studio, some cool projects, you should apply. And I remember so it was meeting you and I think Sab uh, was there and both of you guys yeah. were like, oh yeah, why don't you do both? Because the beauty of mid-sized studios is that they need people who can yeah, do both. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's nice so to have, uh, have room to try what you want to try. Yeah. yeah, so thanks to you. You're yeah. a very, very important person <laughs> in my life. You did no worries. Ch- change it uh, very much. And uh, before I continue, I should uh, give you a shout out. Uh, you, on Instagram, Aaron is at Aaron White Art, and it's two A's, A A R O N, mm-hmm. White Art. Just to make sure you check it out as we're talking about it. And then your website is designer, designerwhite.ca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, and if you're listening, check out his live drawings while we're chatting about because they're all beautiful, beautiful. Uh, motion and structure at the same time which are really difficult to do because usually one takes over the other oh yeah thanks right? thanks yeah. uh but uh, before i want to talk about uh, yeah the kind of your versatility but before i move on i wanted mm-hmm. to also uh, touch on this you just mentioned that you could tell where people studied depending on their live drawings and their <laughs> structure right <laughs> sometimes sometimes <laughs> i mean you never know i mean i mean people switch art schools too so you can never know for sure but 
Um, yeah, usually, like, you can tell if somebody's from an animation program, there's a lot of movement in their totally. life drawings. And, uh, but so the question is, I mean, especially living here in Vancouver uh, you, and having worked in the industry for a while, you must have met a lot of people from, you know, whether it's Catalano College or Emily Carr or one of the private institutes. Oh, yeah. Um, by seeing their work, do you, <laughs> do you recognize benefits or pitfalls of the those schools? Can you... Yeah. see through their work what happened to them in their education. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, the first thing that strikes me when I talk to people from here about their art school experiences yeah. is just how much it costs. Like, I, mm. it always kind of blows my mind. Yes. I got a top-notch education for a lot less uh, <laughs> off in Ontario. <laughs> and I think, I, I mean, I do hear some of the schools are kind of partially publicly funded and subsidized here. And those might be the ones that I hope people get to. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I mean maybe uh, I also see really good portfolios out of Capilano. Um, like when we're when we're doing the interviews for some of the jobs in the industry, like I, I, you see trends, but there's always people like there's talent at any of these schools and you can get what you want out of these programs no matter which one you're at. But um, I, I, I definitely like caps always seem strong. Yeah, right? definitely. Like you probably seen the same thing. And yeah. it's just like that, that's one thing I say is that if I, knew um more about it that having seen the amount of good people that i went out of there mm -hmm. and then the fact that it's a like you're saying it's a uh, it's not a private school it's a public school so it's not as expensive as yeah the, yeah not to say that i didn't have a good experience in my uh institute but yeah it just seems like it's a really good choice and it's cheaper like you're saying in the end any person can push themselves to get as good as they want to be usually despite over mm -hmm. the benefit of their school but in yeah. the end how far in debt are you <laughs> how far in debt yeah how much did it cost you also like when you get to these schools um you almost want it to be harder to get in i find because the people who surround you there are often your greatest resource like whether it's just while you're learning helping each other along or when you graduate you, you kind of get each other jobs but um you want to take on those schools that are hard to get into if it's just kind of like a they'll accept anybody but it's very expensive. Watch out, watch out. Yeah, you, you might be careful about those ones. Like, there'll be some talented people there, but, you know, it might not be quite as chock full. That's as probably the, one of the biggest benefits of school is that the people you meet and the teachers you meet. Right? Yeah, like totally. That's really the, uh, yeah, just like top reasons to be there. Because these days, you can learn online, study online. Oh, yeah. Really like, well. I, that's the one thing I'm seeing a lot of is that people do just take on the learning themselves and it's free online. So, um, I'm seeing a lot of people know coming to college with like a lot of skill sets they didn't have when I was through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we didn't have YouTube. I feel like an old timey, <laughs> old time <laughs> man uh, yeah, talking. YouTube. Yeah, there was no YouTube when I was a kid. There was no, you know, there was no resources. Like all this knowledge was secret and arcane. And our teachers were people who worked at Disney or Nelvana in Toronto. And, you know, they were working professionals. Some of them like actually only taught part time. Um, and that's something I, I still think you should look for in the art schools is like, hey, are these teachers like good enough that they're like kind of working in the in industry part time and they just teach on the side? Like that's you want somebody who's staying current. Mm -hmm. it, like things move so fast now. It's like it's good to keep up, especially with some of the 3D programs. Oh, like, yeah. you, you want somebody who's working and knows about the trends and what what the industry is looking for hiring. Like what kind of skills do you need to teach these students? So. Mm -hmm. I really love that you said that because it's actually a question that I wrote down is mm. how do you a school and how do you find out that their teachers are good because often enough you may not especially if you're younger and you're just getting into it how do you know the teachers are good oh yeah i don't know i mean even when i was 
in art college. I think I Googled a lot of my teachers to check out their work and just, I mean, take with a grain of salt, like what they're trying to teach you. Like, you know, their perspective, where they're coming from, what kind of stuff they do. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some really superstar teachers, like people who freelance for like Lucas films and teaching us like technical drawing and um, just life drawing teachers who'd been at it for a long time and really knew how to get somebody the skills they need as quick as they can. Like um, Mm -hmm. we we had a a Dave can, Kresnell, Dave Cannell, he was like a Disney old schooler. He worked on some of these uh, animated video games like Brain Dead 13, like the Dragon Slayer sequel. And, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, he worked on lots of Disney classics. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, he's just, he, he knew what he was doing. So teaching animation was like fantastic from, from a guy like that. But, but also just there was Mark Thurman. If anybody read Owl magazine when they were growing up and they had those uh, incredibly illustrated Micronaut cartoons on the back, the little kids that would shrink down. Um, this guy like was just a classical genius. He studied anatomy. He, he would bring in a duffel bag full of skeletons and <laughs> like you know he had to papers with some of them. They're human skeletons, oh, uh, so we got to study. They're from, not replicas. They're actually no. He no. just bought real bones. <laughs> He'd tell us you can't get skeletons like these anymore. There's rules now. <laughs> You'd just be like, oh god. That's how you know the guy's legit. Oh yeah, <laughs> duffel bags of skeletons. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the things you can brag about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Good good teachers, good teachers in general. Yeah. And so the uh, artists that we're seeing these days, do you... Th- I'll pre- preface this, that it's a funny question I always argued about, but <laughs> do you find the fact that the traditional medium is lacking in schools these days, whether it's Conte or Pencil, usually everything goes digital right away. Do you think... Uh, you know, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think... I'm probably just going to say things everybody has heard a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you should focus on those foundational, uh, traditional art mediums because, like, those skills apply to everything. Like, they don't go away. Uh, The tools change all the time. You learn some software, it'll change next week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Industry professionals will be using some new program. And it's like, hey, you spent a lot of your time learning this software. And, oh, they don't use that anymore. (laughs) But, but, I mean, you know, a good sense of design and taste is kind of something that, like you can apply to whatever you're working on. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I don't know that there's anything new there. I, I hope everybody's heard that kind of stuff. Um, but I also just think working really with your hands on, on a tactile medium is just way more satisfying. Like oh, yeah. it kind of feeds your soul in a way that like the mouse does not. <laughs> like clicking <laughs> on things is great. Uh, you know, I, I think you got to rest your wrists sometimes. A, a lot of artists work themselves hard. You know, you know this, like oh, if you... I- yeah, <laughs> you draw too, <laughs> draw too long, too hard. You can, uh, you know, you can hurt yourself. But um, yeah, I just, I just think learning those traditional skills. Mm-hmm. Conte, Conte is one of those tools. Um, like it's the flat stick of charcoal, right? Mm-hmm. And when you shave that thing down into a nice curve, and you can make <laughs> all the different marks with it, it just feels like magic. Like you're in control. I, I don't even draw with it enough these days. Like I, I kind of draw with pencil and paper to be tidy. But oh, Conte. That's that's the medium. Aaron and I oh, have <laughs> I think we have had many conversations about how nice it is to have have this Conte <laughs> that's been shaven down to this perfect tip and uh, but it takes you a couple of weeks to get oh, it right yeah. and then you're getting really good drawings. Oh. And then the end of the world is when you drop that by accident. Oh, it just shatters <laughs> and it's too small to wield anymore and it's one of these things like um like you can angulate this thing with with a small motion you can make all the marks that that you just feel it, like a mm-hmm. connection to your paper. You can make a thick mark that's soft or a thin yeah. mark that's dark. Um, 
you just it takes a lot of working with it to to get the muscle memory and um, you know the newsprint isn't soft enough in the city. I, I haven't been able to find smooth really? enough newsprint, but um, when you get a really smooth piece of newsprint <laughs> and you get the right Conte, yeah, you just you're not fighting it. There's no struggle. Like it just does yeah. what you want it to do. They just don't make it as good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like Sheridan had smoother newsprint. They uh, special ordered this stuff because the students got so picky. But newsprint is like um, a camera film for uh, cameras. Probably they don't make it as much anymore. Just mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta find the good stuff. The specialty stuff. Yeah, yeah. hot hot press. Re- really hot press. One too. thing that I'm surprised, and you can probably relate to this because you studied animation, is how little drawing animators do these days when I see mm. or how how little drawing skills anima- animators have in general especially now that 3D and they, they can be great animators they can make good yeah. animation but it's it that's one thing that's curious to me is, is just, yeah they can't draw yeah I mean, I mean and I think I've, I've met lots of good 3D artists I think there are people who are great at 3D and understanding it working with 3D models who can't draw uh, but they can design the shapes and manipulate things in the in the software and they do a good job but uh, I d- don't think it could ever hurt to just have the drawing skills, be able to thumbnail, draw mm-hmm. some tiny little drawings, plan out your poses real quick, because it's a lot less work to kind of scribble something exactly. off to the side than it is to uh, manipulate a three- full 3D model into exactly the pose you want. Like, if you if you can kind of pre-visualize, uh, yeah, drawing skills help everybody. So They're the same people that I'm uh, impressed by, who people who can start painting without drawing. I really don't understand. I mean, I understand how they do it, but to get a really yeah. good painting... Without drawing, I'm... Uh, I they must be imagining it. it. You know, I see a lot of people... When you see, like, a wizard of art, you know, yeah. there's stuff that they're not showing you. They're just wizards. They're, yeah. But, you know, they're, they're drawing it under the hood. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're imagining it. And because they've done it so many times, and, and I wish it didn't look so mysterious. Like, I think sometimes if somebody's showing you how to draw, they've got to, like, slow down and show mm-hmm. you... It's like showing your work in math. If, if you don't show the work, nobody knows how you got to the answer. And it's, it's only because you've done it so many times that you can skip some steps, like edit yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. and leave some stuff out. But, but you know, it's not magic. Th- they've done it. They've yeah. just drawn all those bad overworked <laughs> drawings, that, and they're not showing you that work. Exactly. But you got to do it. you got to make some terrible-looking art to, before you get to the good stuff. I like your math as an example. <laughs> you, we both worked with Peter Jacandi, and he, mm-hmm. that's what he did. He just painted oh, yeah. and just yeah. made really good stuff. Or... You know, skipping of steps that you just mentioned, that that, that, that Forrest book by Mike Matisse, I think that's uh, his name, but it's a live yeah. book on live drawing. And even though he teaches you a way to draw, but then when you watch him draw, he just skips <laughs> all the things that he suggests for you. Yeah. And yeah. it makes sense because he, he's, like you're saying, he's done it so many times. Now he doesn't need to do that live line of action because he sees it already before it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think when you're doing this stuff quite a lot, like you're doing it very regularly, you know, your, your brain just starts to kick in and, and see the, see the, see what you're gonna do on the paper before you do it. And it's like, uh, you know, I only really had that sense, that kind of a pre-visualization when I was doing it like seven times a week. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, you work at different muscles and, um, you know, there's different ways to get to the final answer. That Yeah. And uh, so uh, as we speak about this, I'm one, I'm just very impressed that you keep up with that skill because it's so tough. I mean, keep going to live drawing and- Oh yeah. It, it's, I mean, I just do it because I, I like love it. you feel like you have a need for it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like my time. I, I think um, I don't know that my art is like really accessible or fun for the like. I don't know if your listener is gonna be like, I love this. I mean, I think it's a bit of an, the artist's art. Like it, it's a bit like just here's some technical underdrawing mm-hmm. kind of stuff because I, I like showing my process a bit and keeping it loose and rough. 
I don't finish a lot of stuff off to make it like really palatable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's for me. Like I, I think if I was trying to polish every drawing and make it like super presentable, it would be for somebody else. So mm -hmm. it's for me, it's my, it's my time. So maybe, yeah, I wonder what the non-artist would think, but I think for artists, it's the most fun stuff to see. Yeah. When yeah. you, uh, if you look at uh, Mike Mignola drawings before they're inked, you know, that's so much better to look at. Yeah, than very so exciting. I yeah. think in your case, but the fact that you draw a lot of burlesque models or uh, models with costumes, it may, it gives a story to your drawings. And I think you push the personality. So uh, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're ri right. I think a lot of people yeah, would enjoy yeah. it, even despite the fact that you can see the construction lines, because that's part of it. And I think your construction lines move around through the drawing, so mm -hmm. they're not just the thing that came in the beginning. They're the thing that's part of it. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't have a formula either. Like, I, I think people talk about style and formula and, like, how you'd approach something, but I take it differently every pose. So I'm kind of... It, it just keeps it interesting for me. Like, if I created a formula that just worked and made a beautiful drawing every time... I don't think I would enjoy myself. <laughs> like, you, you've got to fail sometimes or else you're not trying new things. So, um, But yeah, like if, if I go to a live drawing session and I have one drawing at the end of it that I really love, I succeeded. Like, mm -hmm. I, I got to take chances. And, and I'm, I, I feel like, a, I like what you're saying. I, I am kind of documenting, documenting a bit of a scene in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. There's a, the burlesque scene, um, kind of alternative culture. There's some people who just, um, you know, there, it's not so mainstream, but I, I'm really happy to be on the peripheral of this scene. <laughs> really kind people who've... Um, I've met a lot of friends through this, so um, they're just interesting characters that kind of keep the city interesting and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, and that's actually the next thing, kind of next topic that I want to dive into is the the amount of work that you've put into building the community, especially our community in Vancouver. I would say you know, your work through Snag or uh, organizing uh, live drawing sessions it seems like you've put conscious uh, effort into building something. Or <laughs> do you yeah. feel like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I try. Uh, like, I, I guess, you know, I'm kind of like an unpaid employee of Snag. I, uh, <laughs> they give me some beers, and uh, I, I book the life drawing models. We, we, we run that thing off of a tip jar. Um, I, I think when I, st I used to paint by booking my own models, and I would just have them come over, sit on my couch, and, and do a live painting. Um, so I met a lot of friends. I was hearing things like that there was not enough paid work for uh, like these alternative models or alternative um, burlesque dancers. Like they just, um, they were the kindest people. They put a lot of passion and love into their costumes. And I was just hearing, oh, there's, there's no like paid work for us. So, you know, this is not anything we're gonna make bank off of. This is like a, a passion project. And I don't know, I, I think I just kind of carried that through. I was like, um, I kept going to Dr. Sketchy's, and, and Sherry, Sherry Contrary provides some great opportunities for the burlesque models in the city, but mm -hmm. uh, burlesque dancers. I, uh, I have my one thing. Maybe it's once a month or so at Snag, and yeah. I, I book them. We run it off a tip jar. I, I run around the room trying to shake this jar, get enough money so that we're at least paying, you know, standard life drawing rates at yeah, least. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, we're all starving artists, and uh, yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think the city is just too small to support it? Why do you think they're not uh, finding uh, like you're saying not finding as much success the whether it's artists or you're talking about the models or well, dancers? Yeah, I, I think it's just people who are like the people that I'm interested in hanging out with and uh, building this art community with are yeah they're not the richest people. I think um, you know I, I'm lucky enough to have a good studio job um, working in the industry, but um, you know it's 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 kind of like 
we're on the outskirts. Like, it's East Van. It's not, um, yeah, I, I think just people in the city don't have enough disposable income to really come out and support every scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the artists are just, you know, trying to, trying to do something in a city that, you know, this isn't LA, like the creative types don't have huge disposable incomes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're, it's an insular economy. Like it's a lot of artists supporting each other and, and they're friends and some of the best people I know in the city, but, um, you know, it's it just, it's hard. It's always a little bit of a struggle. And when you want to get good as an artist, you need support. Like you need, you need some, a runway to get going. So exactly. um, I think I'm seeing a lot of the artists support each other. Um, and, and that's really great to see. Well, because what I was going to say about the alternative scene you're talking about, when you look at it online, it's huge. You know, the community online is huge. And mm-hmm. then when you bring up the examples here where you're saying the burlesque models or uh, live drawing models say they don't have enough work, I just trying to understand why basically right yeah I, I mean I think I, I've kind of seen that scene flourish uh, over maybe the last like well yeah it'd be like last eight or nine years and I think they kind of make their own opportunities like there's a lot of great shows that go on I try to support the ones I can but they're, they're going on all all the time like um, there's different different crews different uh, troops that are doing great things like at the Rio theater for example like I live across the street there I got I got to get over to the Rio more and support those shows. But, um, you know, it's, it's just like, I, I like to see sort of a, um, a crossover between these scenes. Like mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of like a different time, like the French, like Moulin Rouge, like that there's these, uh, swanky artists drawing the burlesque <laughs> dancers. And, you know, th- these are fringe people. These aren't like your mainstream society, you know, I love it. the undesirables and uh, <laughs> the lowbrow, but you know, th- you like Tallulah Trek, just making really cool art, hanging out with uh, dancers all the time. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's not quite so edgy here, but it's like, it's exciting to, to try to get that scene going and just like have different, like crossover between different different communities. So. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I just, uh, Benjamin Stone, I think that's the artist's book that he gave me last time. So the artist you just mentioned, yeah, some really beautiful stuff with, Conte, I think. Oh, no, actually, no. Oil, it's like oil pastels, I think, and oil paint. You'll have to yeah, yeah. let me see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, oh, yeah. And so you just brought up the fact that you're in, uh, inviting models into your place and uh, hiring oh. and then painting them. I remember oh, yeah, that yeah. art show uh, that you did. Was it Control Alt? Control Alt Portrait. Portrait. Yeah. So it was Love that one. Oh, thanks, oh man. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, it was interesting because it was all from life, um, but it was digital painting. So I had a Cintiq in my living room, which is one of those Wacom, like, it's like a tablet everybody's got the iPad pros now and they're painting uh, digitally. People, but, yeah. uh, I just had one in my living room and I'd have the models over, try to set up some lighting. Um, the costume was anything goes. I, I, I never dictated like what someone could wear or bring. I just wanted to kind of study their character. So mm-hmm. um, I would paint in Photoshop uh, and I tried to paint really traditionally, like don't cheat too much because exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to take away from skills or take away some skills from that and just be able to apply it to a canvas later. Um, but yeah, I put up a whole show that hung in the wallflower for a couple months one mm-hmm. summer. And, you know, I, I got some, I made some sales and uh, just kind of made a lot of friends. I would say that was the point of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I got to, it was almost like an interview. Uh, I got to sit and talk <laughs> with someone just like this and yeah. hear their life experiences. And While I got to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just relaxing. And, and I, I got good at like, making people comfortable. I got some tea 
and uh, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's some good, good tea, good conversation, and made so many friends. And every time I'd finish a painting, I'd get like two friends would contact me, and so it, it almost snowballed out of control. I, I couldn't keep <laughs> up with it. It was almost turning into a full time job because like. Like somebody would relate their experience, like how much of a fun time they had just sitting for an artist. And there wasn't much of that going on in the city. And I I urge artists to offer their gifts out to the world like that, because I think there's people who want to be painted. There's so many photographers out there right now. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket, but um, it's not the same. Yeah, (laughs) to be painted, like it's a special thing. It's a special thing. And I'm sorry that I couldn't keep up and like finish all the paintings, (laughs) all the all that I started. It was hard to keep up with but um i made some great friends great contacts and uh kind of dipped my toe in s- into some of the alternative communities in vancouver mm-hmm. um it sounds like a good problem to have though oh, having too many people contact you to be painted oh yeah i mean there cool. was the first I th- after the first painting my, my phone blew up that weekend wow. and i, I just want to let artists know that there's like a demand for what you can offer out there don't be a creep um <laughs> and just be kind and friendly and you know don't comment on the physical appearance of your models like i mean you you can book people like you can book your friends too you can practice like that's what i started doing as i just i had some of my friends over and like just to get warmed up before i started booking some of the like more established professional uh burlesque uh models but i had some legends and that just like really built the scene in vancouver and i just think that it's kind of a bit of history that i was helping document so you know they provided um like they helped me make that art as much as I did. Like they brought themselves and they are living art. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love it. Special experience, but yeah, artists get out there, offer your it. gifts to <laughs> people. Like you work really hard at this, at this stuff, you get good. And if you're not sharing it, it it's just, you're in a little vacuum. You could, you could be making somebody's day, like making their week. That painting could sit on their wall for the rest of their, their lives. So, you know, collaborate with some people just offer share your gifts this is really good advice and uh, uh, it's such a cool way to look at it too because one thing i talk about on this show quite a lot is finding purpose to even wipe make art because sometimes it's easy to lose it it's easy to forget it Mm -hmm. but this i really like what you're saying about this it's like you you, because it it is really meant to be shared right or it meant to be yeah and you can make friends like i i think like what kind of life is worth living if you're just working in a basement like a lot of artists do <laughs> quietly never interacting with the world like throwing your images out there i mean you get the satisfaction of people seeing that stuff if, if you're if you're getting good and getting it out there but it, it's not very social and uh that's yep. something i've always wanted art to be is social get outside <laughs> do, do those like live art battles and stuff yeah, like yeah, those yeah. are fun there's the golden brush the b- battle of the brush those yeah. kind of things i see those as kind of the places where you know you can see people's reactions to your art right on their faces in real life and and what and so then do you would you plan to do more shows because i want to see that from you oh i mean shows shows i did a watercolor show like after the wallflower the next one was a watercolor show for hot Art what city city, yeah Yeah. and uh chris i love working with chris i would kind of do those group shows Mm -hmm. the weird interesting ones you'd do the wacky uh like the boobies and wieners and all those kind of saucy art shows I loved doing those ones because they were low commitment. Just here's yeah. one one piece that I can work on. Exactly. Um, the last one I did, the watercolor one, is so much work getting everything framed and doing oh, yeah. all that stuff. And I almost felt like you turn into a hermit while you're getting those shows ready. And Very you true. probably know you just had one. I went to it. It's beautiful. But 
were, you were a bit of a hermit probably it's a lot of work i mean you have to yeah it was a lot of work i'll just say <laughs> yeah yeah so so no i'm not planning on doing that anytime soon but uh i, I keep telling people who ask who are asking about my art just keep looking at my instagram sketches that that's 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 all where you're I'm gonna at. get <laughs> yeah enjoy them Oh man! You know, and, and if you want to get drawn, like, uh, find me at the bar with my sketchbook and just, just ask for me to draw a sketch of you. It's like that—that's where I'm at. It's—it's got to be on my time. It's got to be convenient, and it's got to be fun and social. You're prioritizing life over hermit art life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, just got back from like a little summer festival, the, the Burn in the Forest. Oh, cool! It's yeah. Burning Man community. Um, those those are folks that know how to combine art and leisure time yeah and like you know th that that's a great way to <laughs> kind of get both things at once mm. you build your art and share it with people it's interactive um that's that's a great community that i think needs to cross over more with the art scene here um i mean they're artists uh, they're doing their own things uh but you know the snag people i think uh should check their scene out they should check out the snag yeah. scene become friends Come yeah. on, yeah, totally. <laughs> just yeah. You're all good people. You just don't realize. You know, you should know each other. <laughs> oh yeah, and and I I'm finding some of the, some of my friends like who I'm always surprised they don't know each other because they're so cool. You just assume they know each other. They're starting to bump into each other and uh, cross over in these communities, and it's it's there's the cross pollination is just fantastic. So. This is actually what made me very happy about the the art show that I just had is that I I, I got to introduce a lot of good mm -hmm. people to one another where they should know each other because they're just good just really good artists and good people yeah, yeah and i think in my case because well just like you because i work in entertainment industry but you know still also hang out with the the fine art uh, i don't know what do you want to call it, the illustration crowd you know a little bit of a separation there but tons of talented people and they should all know each other and hang oh, out yeah. and learn from yeah. one another yeah yeah i, I guess it, i guess it just happens naturally too mm -hmm. like you don't have to artificially engineer it but oh but i will <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah <laughs> why not but you just you, you very much disappoint in the air and i want to see some more watercolors and art shows from you oh, but yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> try i i think that's one thing i want to do more of is uh i notice um like i was saying some of my drawings are not for the public like it's just it's just for me it's for fun it's for the maybe the model to see themselves in the drawing but when i do the watercolors people really respond to them and oh, yeah. uh, they're just longer and you don't always get those long enough poses true so you, you need a you need an hour to do a good watercolor at I least think. at least yeah. yeah although it depends on your size paper size and how much you oh, want to yeah, yeah. work it or yeah, try not how, to work. how loose it is i've done some sketches that just turned out in half an hour but you know you got you got to be warmed up for that kind for of sure. thing and yeah um, yeah, I think I think you just get more dynamic poses when you stick to the five and ten minutes too. The models don't have to hold these ridiculous ac acrobatic <laughs> yeah. outstretched limbs that's for an when, hour. That's when you take photos. I was looking at. Uh, oh, I'm trying yeah. to think. Uh, I'm blanking on this guy's name. Well, I'll probably I'll probably come back to it. But he was saying how he tries to paint from life whenever he can. He mm -hmm. just do a study, uh, a quick study, and then he take photos to then work in studio because you know the painting will take forty hours or more. You know yeah, around that yeah. time. So. But that's initial study that he paint he would paint from life, even though it may take an hour. But it is painted from life, so it informs his decision making yeah, so much better than a, photo a photo would, because you're missing a lot of. Totally, that's what what you get where you get the most out of it. I think it's like your eyes adjust to the lighting, like you see things you can't get in a photograph. Um, I mean, sometimes the camera just flattens the image out in such a way that like it's easy to make some decisions from it. But I, I just. I like the critical analysis that comes from working from life. So I, I just I kind of get messages from people like, can you make an image for me from this photograph? And I just like, nope, 
uh, I work from life. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. hang out? Let's let's make an image from life because That's, what's the point? It, it's, it's my time. It's social. Exactly. Like I have a day job. I can you know somebody buys my creative hours and I make images that are just you, you make them however you can. You cheat, mm-hmm. but there's nothing social about it. It's just it's just work. Exactly. So I don't want to just do more work in my spare time. That's a good move. So the guy I was just referencing is actually also another Aaron Aaron Westerberg. He's okay. a fine art painter check him out but that's uh, you know the whole idea of painting from life and yeah, clearly yeah. you are an Aaron who does that too yeah totally do you, that. you Aaron so you got this figured out yeah life, it, life's yeah. fun <laughs> <laughs> but I also so me asking about the shows and stuff but I also completely understand why people do not do it especially when you have a full time job oh, you yeah. know it's easy to say hey but or it's kind of easy to ask me to see more art from you but it's it's, it's the make, making it's the exactly. hard part yeah. yeah I mean if you didn't have full time gig and yeah Mm-hmm. definitely doable then but it's a lot harder than I mean I just prefer hours. I just prefer to like have an art show in my home uh, I've got my, got my stuff up on the walls uh, I've got a lot of friends stuff up on the walls yeah you do just throw a dinner party and just have friends over I just had one yesterday it was so much fun um, you know <laughs> not, in, not for the public but yeah. you know I, I've gone to snag so much that I've uh, collected a lot of really nice artwork from, from friends you're in the very community lucky. So. you're very lucky if you've never been to snag it's a ruffle uh, paintings are raffled off and Aaron's won so many yeah I, f- I feel like I, I hope I've been talking about snag so much and I hope did we even explain what it is you to please people please do please do I hope listeners of this podcast probably know a bit about it right yeah snag is back <laughs> snag yeah it, it's coming up there's another one for the mural fest uh, Andrew Young who uh, helps curate the mural fest he ha- put on this thing a while back used to be every single week and this was how I got socialized yeah. you just go out buy buy some raffle tickets for artists painting art that gets raffled off. Um, it used to be that once a month I would run a life drawing session there, yep. so I could socialize three three out of four weeks, but <laughs> then they turned it into a monthly affair, and I have to do the life drawing every single time. So uh, You don't get to socialize is what you're saying. Well, I, I sneak it in, uh, and <laughs> I like talking to people while I draw, so yeah. you know you can you can bother me, ask me questions while I'm drawing. I, I don't mind, but... It's a special talent, talking and drawing and painting. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just you just touched on the fact that when you're at work, you're it's work. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's let's get into that. Yeah. How do you have fun at work? Oh no, it's great. It's great. Like um, I mean, you and I both have worked on the same game. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I tell people uh, we work for Iron Maiden. So yeah. if you like the band Iron Maiden, uh, they have a mobile video game. It's out. You can play it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's one of the best games I've worked on. So. Creative, awesome. Creatively, you know you know this, you get to work on some really fun, weird stuff based off of the album covers. and That was a really cool part of that project is that, yeah, the, the amount of freedom or just the cool content that you get to work with. Is really mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. And something about that is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't the typical art that you keep seeing everywhere all over again. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. It's, it's, it's a niche audience. It, it's this bizarre, you know, 80s album art. Um, I mean... You know, we we were able to bring something new to it as well. Like, I think we were able to like amp up some of these covers and really bring them to life, flesh them out, show moments before and after the album covers, create characters that were living in 3D. So, you know, I, I did a little bit of concept, but a lot of visual effects on this project. Now I'm doing a lot of front end art. I'm kind of just jumping around the game. Um, I'd almost say I'm a technical artist now, so I get to kind of use the other side of the brain while I'm at work and mm-hmm. kind of help solve some very technical problems uh, putting this thing together. 
Uh, I'm no programmer, I'm no engineer, but I, I try to help the, them interface with the artists and yeah, yeah. just get, get the project still going live, pumping out content, and uh, we're updating all the time. It's, it's just a really fun game, um, kind of one of those collectible RPGs. So something like, I think we launched the same week as Pokemon. It just, <laughs> it was, that. It yeah. was, that was tough times, but we, we stuck, stuck in there and we yeah. kept updating and making the game better and better. But, um, you know, it's like, it's heavy metal Pokemon and, uh, <laughs> exactly. it, and you don't have to walk around so much yeah. if you're not into that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess it, it can be unusual, but it's crazy <laughs> how much actually the release does matter. I mean, it's similar to oh, yeah. movies and shows. Yeah. You don't release in the right time. It's hard. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. And I think when we launched, we had a lot of Iron Maiden fans show up and uh, really try the game out. Uh, it was a little rickety. Uh, I would say that our launch wasn't the smoothest. You know, mm -hmm. There were some technical issues with the game when we launched, but we've been working on it since, and it's gotten better and better every, every release. So, you know, it, it, I'm proud to be on it. We, uh, we had a big uh, layoff. Uh, were, were you there at uh, Roadhouse when... That was me. <laughs> yeah, you were there when we all it, it fell apart. We were a game studio that worked on some sports titles for Red Bull. Um, what else? We, we made a Warhammer game with yeah. the uh, Space Marines. Hell yeah. Um, some really fun projects. Uh, good company, good people, good founders. It's just like, it kind of fell apart. Um, just series of unfortunate events. and Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, we almost had it going and it just, just kind of scraped the ground and everybody got laid off, but all the projects seemed to go on. They, it kind of broke into a million pieces and all these projects got scooped up I love that they, yeah, they didn't drop them, but it's like th that was the unfortunate part is that it was such a good group of people. Yeah, it was such yeah. a good uh, company. Yeah, good yeah. talent in the room. Um, I think we were at about 100, over 100 people. Um, you know, I I scoured the city for some of the some of the talent, and you know, it took us years to find some people to fill positions, and it's just such a shame that it all fell apart. But um, yeah, I was proud of my time there. I think that just shows you how hard it is to make it as a as in video games, I guess, or maybe just in the industry. But mm -hmm. in video games, especially, it seems like it's pretty competitive uh, and also kind of an un unforgiving industry. It seems like oh yeah, every yeah. project is just a scratch and win ticket. Uh, you know, you can hit big or not, and sometimes you got to scratch a lot of tickets before you get the hit that really you know the, the audience finds it. Sometimes you can build a game for an audience and they they just don't find it. Mm -hmm. And it's like it, it's out there. It's great. You did a good job, but you don't have a hit so mm -hmm. i started this uh show by saying that you're you have a very versatile uh, skill set and just looking at a portfolio um on, on a website and you and having worked with you seeing you do vfx and you did some uh, from what i understand i mean you did some tech stuff too wasn't like you did some scripting as well i think oh very light very light? light okay light. well i, I was very <laughs> impressed i'll say that and uh i really love your observational work um on your website which I, you know i have a soft spot oh, for that thanks, for a traditional yeah. medium but so the, the question is, how did you manage to build such a versatile skill set? Um, I'm not exactly sure about that. I think, <laughs> I think some of it was when I was in school, we had to put together our, our own student films. So um, there's a lot that goes into that. And um, previous years to mine had to actually paint cells. So oh, we were yeah. kind of on the cusp of a lot of the new technology for creating your own animated films. And uh, there was there was like sort of a movement away from painting a cell, tracing, inking, painting the back, like old Disney stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of how people filmed their student films, even just a couple of years before my generation. And then we started to get the Photoshop and there was no software that was specialized enough to do the animated films 
entirely end to end, but you could figure out how to use Photoshop and treat your scans. You'd, you'd uh, flip a hundred pieces of paper, you'd load them into the scanner, scan them one at a time, but yeah, you could use Photoshop to put your student film together, color them. So um, when I was in school, I figured out some really good ways to do this uh, when I was in my second year, and the third years were making their films. I put I printed out some pamphlets on how to use Photoshop to batch process <laughs> wow. a thousand drawings. Like you could uh, record some actions. Uh, oh, this is yeah. going to get a little jargony. Anyone who's into Photoshop and they like their batch processing, listen up. Listen up. <laughs> still, uh, you can still do it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, hey, if you have a thousand images to treat, you can record it and figure out how to turn a drawing into an animated cell, do the first kind of painting of the back of the cell. Uh, I figured out how to do this. Software does this for you now, but we had nothing like that at the time. But I think um, in Photoshop, you still have to figure those uh, things out. It's not like a one-button solution, I no, don't think. No. Yeah, I mean, unless it, you're using... It gets you most of the way, though. And, and I figured out how to procedurally sort of uh, fill in the first frame. Okay. And then you could load up the frames one at a time and set up a series of other actions where you could kind of click and fill. I know there were some people who really appreciated the handouts that I made. I handed them out to the third years. I had a couple of people like, I finished my third year film because of your handout. Wow. And then the next year, uh, it was being taught as curriculum. So, <laughs> so, you know, I know I had an impact there on the technical side. That's Aaron making a difference in the world. Just trying to help people finish yeah. their films. It's impossible to do this stuff if you have to do things one at a time. Mm -hmm. You've got thousands of frames of animation to deal with. Like, this is no small undertaking. So, um, yeah, it helped to speed things up. Uh, I, I got a job out of that. I think the computer teacher, uh, Dave Moffat, fantastic dude. He recognized, like, um, my skills, and he got me hired on as, like, a TA. So I got to help even the people in my own year kind of help help them with their lab time, putting their student films mm -hmm. together. So it was great. I got a little job helping people in the labs. And uh, I think that was kind of the start of the technical stuff. I learned how to use things like After Effects to do compositing, assembling films. And I got a couple of jobs out of school just doing that. And even when I was like working as an animator, they, they looked around, they're like, who knows After Effects? We need <laughs> somebody who knows After Effects. Yeah, yeah. And I'd pick up the odd job helping the compositors kind of catch up on the shows that I was working on. Um, and for people who don't know, After Effects is sort of like a um, graphics compositing software, like motion graphics. Uh, but it can also be used just like an old Disney camera mm -hmm. with plates of glass, multiplaning, you know, doing those elaborate Pinocchio multiplane pans where, like, you swap in the frame of animation and move the camera just a tiny bit. It's, it's magic that you can just use After Effects to do the really complicated camera work that Disney used to have to do like, traditionally. So and it's such a powerful software now. You can do 3D stuff in it. It's really impressive. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it, yeah, go ahead. And actually, like, we, we worked on some little yeah, projects uh, at awesome. Roadhouse <laughs> and After X. So, you know, some of your paintings, I got to make them come alive and uh, put some visual effects on top, kind of, you know, just make everything move and do some trailers. I think you animated some uh, sp space marines yeah, uh, running around, chopping orcs in half. and. <laughs> I got to add some blood spatter and... Uh, you made it look so good. Those are the good <laughs> days. Aaron, so this is this thing, Aaron, Aaron is... Uh, you're, you're just a magician. Uh, uh, and to me, what's fascinating is all these other skills that you put on top of your our art skills were just all self-initiated. And the beauty of it is that, like you're saying, you got jobs out of things that you taught yourself. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's got to be a lesson for everyone to uh, kind of to show that your interests will translate into, can translate into something that will... Oh, yeah. You know, have work and make you happy yeah. yeah if you have some extra weird skills like that and you get into a studio um you just kind of keep your head up 
and when somebody says we need this thing you say i can do that mm -hmm. and you help and it's it's it feels great and so now you're more valuable to the studio yeah and yeah. you know they find out you've got skills that they didn't know about you help out with things here and there i'm not saying everything always turned out the greatest but you try your best and it's like oh deadlines you know how yeah deadlines it's always like the work how much time do you have to make this thing you make exactly. it as good as you can in the time allotted and I mean, that's one thing. I, I wish we'd had some bigger budgets on some of the stuff that we worked totally, on. But, totally. Um, uh, we're just trying our best. Though uh, I really enjoyed doing so that Space Marine, or I think we did two of those videos, and <laughs> your I remember like you animated this um, displacement as the orc was roaring and just tons of blood. It was just and there was a little ash flowing. It was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little spittle flying out of his mouth. The good days, but uh, camera well, shakes. I remember having those conversations with you about how oh, it would be so cool to just have a department for that. Mm -hmm. it, Oh, a little cinematics department, and everybody watches those Blizzard ones now. And you know, they're they're like hundred, two hundred people departments, exactly. and they have just a lot of time to work on these things. And we were kind of like two, two maybe three team. people to doing things in a week. Exactly. That was, and so I feel like we had, <laughs> there was so much potential there. And if we, if we, even if we just got like one or two more artists and give oh, it yeah. like a month, and then the studio closed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 hard. It's hard, but. You know, those were good days. Good days, man. Sure, for sure. <laughs> I worked with a lot of people who came from uh, uh, like Mainframe and some of those 3D studios that mm -hmm. made a reboot to all the shows around here. Mm -hmm. Like my uh, my first art director, M Murray McCarran, was a uh, one of these reboot Mainframe guys, and I, I, I still work with people who've been through that studio. Um, I think. Did you have Yusuf on this show? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yus Yusuf, great art director. I think he worked on the the Beast Wars, the Transformers one. Yep. Um, so there's that kind of talent where people in the city know how to make. 3D shorts on a budget because we were doing it in Vancouver. Um, I mean, I, I grew up with it. I wasn't involved. I didn't get the privilege of being mm -hmm. involved, but I watched it and appreciated it. But they were doing stuff uh, for like one tenth the budget that a lot of American studios tried to do it at, mm -hmm. and somehow it's just is magic. So um, you know, when we uh, started started working on these games and putting together little trailers like we, we were also just trying to keep it as cheap as we could rendering it out of maya and doing a lot of like magical tricks and after aaron, effects that's all aaron doing the magic i mean yeah. trying to trying to get an expensive look on the cheap mm -hmm. like it was really fun and you know yeah, yeah your, your skills of the the the, the editing and the <laughs> po post work i yeah, just elevate the work so much and I, uh, so much of it uh, i find and you can tell me uh, i think it's having the eye for what can be done because you can have the yeah, tools yeah. but if you don't, you can't visualize it, which that's how we started talking about art in the beginning here. It's just if you can't visualize how something is going to look like or how good it can look like, mm -hmm. you just, you know, those, those tools are not going to help you. And so uh, you got some uh, amazing skills there. I remember just sending in the footage and just seeing how it comes back. It was oh, really yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. No, and yeah. it's great. And your animation was a privilege to work on. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, just great to see these things coming alive. But. Um, yeah, some of it is just the experience of working in the, in the an animation industry. Like, I'm kind of lucky that I got to work in animation before games. Uh, it's a bit more of a ringer. They work you hard, yeah. and you put pump out a lot of footage. And um, when I was working as a compositor, um, we had a team working on this show called Chaotic. It's just a trading card kind of mm -hmm. show, but you'd pump out like 40 shots a week or something. It, it was like, or maybe, yeah, no, maybe 50 shots. I think it was almost like 10 a day, and. and uh, you know, some of them are just characters talking to each other, talking heads kind of stuff. Uh, some of them are characters throwing fireballs, and uh, I'm trying to elevate these shots by creating all this, the look of interactive lighting on this kind of kind of flatter 2D art style animation. And, um, you know, I, I got to work with, like, a, 
let's say, uh, name drop jo Joseph Gilland, a uh, really good visual effects artist. So mm -hmm. he'd, he'd do this uh, classical stuff. He worked on Lilo and Stitch, uh, yeah. some, of the, some of the better Disney films. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's working as a tattoo artist on the island now. <laughs> what a uh, switch, just, huh? You know, he's the first guy I heard about Burning Man from. He's total hippie, but um, <laughs> just really great a animation, kind of this really good classical stuff from Disney. And so he's working on this Flash show, wrapping his head around this new tech and working on a Cintiq and stuff. We got to, like, kind of make it glow and just put it all together. And uh, it's great. Like, some of that aesthetic rubs off on you. Like, you, you watch these really talented people working and you look at how their stuff works, how it puts gets put together and you put it together and and that kind of translates in your aesthetic you take it everywhere you go so um when you come to games it's like you know tricks how to get the yeah, little yeah. rim lights on this what would have been flat 2d art and how, how to make it as polished as you can can but yeah did you so did you appreciate those uh long hours and oh. crazy uh delivery dates or oh yeah and it, but i mean i i think i think honestly there's so much overtime in the industry. I think we got away, like Bardell, I got paid overtime. That was kind of magical. Very like nice, Compositing huh? team, I recommend that people fight for that where they can, you know, get paid <laughs> overtime. Please. Like, yeah, yeah don't- Help don't, everyone else out. Yeah, don't stay, stop it. Yeah. Uh, making it bad for everybody, but uh, I have a lot of friends who work in the animation industry. They just work too many long hours, long hours. And uh, it's a culture that just kind of- uh, It's pretty, and it just keeps going. and. Uh, and I think the the younger artists are more willing to do that. But it's oh yeah, I this is like this is not me saying anything new. It's it's been told to me, and I'm repeating the words. But it's hurting everyone. Mm -hmm. You work for free, then it's there's an expectation for everyone else to do it. Kind of oh yeah, I've yeah. heard this phrase called wage theft lately, and I, I like that. It kind of describes that you're turning a whole bunch of jobs into less jobs by <laughs> having fewer people do them for longer right. hours for free. Yeah, um, and I think like you know the in industry is booming. Like there is no excuse for not having enough jobs um, but you know having a life outside of your work too I, I think when I first started in animation um, I got like pulled aside and talked to once or twice just I wasn't pumping out enough uh, you know seconds of animation mm -hmm. and yeah. I should have been doing more but uh, it was simply because I didn't come in on the weekends Good. I, I drew a line in the sand and <laughs> other animators came in on the weekends and I thought that was ridiculous because we're adults and we need to draw some <laughs> boundaries oh please um, yeah. I, I would stay late here and I, I did pick up the pace eventually and i got better at it but i would say i'd i'll stay late a night here and there just to get some footage done but i'm not coming in on the weekends that's my time so no <laughs> this is the time where we complain about this whole freaking uh <laughs> industry, but yeah please yeah, yeah that's that's one thing i always it, it really yeah. frustrates me I think you and I get each other because we like to do personal work. And yeah, it's yeah. The, you use the words in the beginning, feed the soul. Uh, that's the, yeah, the same words I use. And yeah, I, I cannot. Well, and a good company recognizes that too. They know that if you leave on time and go home, if you're a creative person, you didn't stop working. You're exactly. thinking about what you're working on. Mm -hmm. You're going and feeding your brain. You're, you're reading books. You're drawing from life. Yeah. You know, you're, you're just recharging yourself. Yeah. So. It really it saps your product productivity to just sit there and kind of hit your head against the problem over and over again. <laughs> um, so I, I just say to people like, just march march it back. Like go home. Um, you know, it, if it happens on on a blue moon, like occasionally, sure, you, you got it. Your crunch time, but mm. crunch time shouldn't be 
sustained it shouldn't be all all year round yet it is yeah <laughs> especially movies oh well i'll take this i'll take this little snippet and send it out to everyone mm, so good. come on people <laughs> listen up it's like every it's everybody has to be part of that solution because yeah. i know i had some of the animation series you'd look around you'd get to go home it, it, you, or it would get to going home time and then yeah. you'd look around and everybody's still at their desk and you'd wonder wait why am i standing up yeah yeah why am i the weird why oh, am i the i don't want to <laughs> oh, there's a social pressure here. <laughs> I, I should stick around too, I guess. But um, my defense mechanism, and this is kind of a my something I'm guilty of, is I come in really late because I noticed that everyone only paid attention to how long people were there at the end of the day. Not an they didn't really yeah. pay attention to when people got in. So I could pull a, a normal eight-hour day plus, like you know, maybe an extra half hour for lunch. Um, but you know, I, I could go home within a reasonable amount of time, like <laughs> spend eight and a half hours at the office or something like that. That's a good move. If I came in later. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I could leave <laughs> at the same time as everyone else. So, you know, there's a scam for for you all to think about running. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's producers walking around the studio kind of like, why aren't people at their desks? It's, it's six o'clock. People should still be here. You know, well, you know, <laughs> just... Do, do your day, do if your time, read you, your contract, and <laughs> do do what your contract says. If you got anything out of this conversation, this is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but, uh, and, and, and you'll be more productive, too. Like, yeah. you'll get more done while you're there if you have a life outside of work. You gotta, gotta have some input before you can have that output. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling so guilty being the first person to leave. Oh, and yeah. I, and, and <laughs> Don't guilt trip anyone else. That's oh, another thing. Like, I, I remember feeling let, pretty <laughs> Especially if they get their work done. I, I, I was always of mind, like, is so-and-so getting their work done? Yeah, okay, fine, done. Yeah. I don't care how long they're here, as long as they, they help <laughs> me out and get the things that I depend on done. So, yeah. Very cool. So having said that, do you prefer big studios, small studios? How do you feel? I think, like, just because life is more interesting when you can put on a couple different hats, I, I like the kind of small to medium-sized studios. Mm -hmm. Um I didn't. I never had the experience of working at EA, so I, I only kind of hear the stories secondhand. Mm -hmm. All the people who work there have interesting stories, good and bad. I mean, I think, you know, it pays well, um, but you know, they try to do your laundry for you and keep you <laughs> keep you there all night long. Yeah. And people, you know, they they just want you to live at the office. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, I, I'm glad I kind of dodged that in my career. <laughs> who knows? Maybe maybe I'd end up there one day. But I'm pretty happy at yeah. the the small to medium places and um there's just more of a room to feel like you're making an exactly. imp impact right exactly so yeah. you know i know like if i wasn't there things would have happened differently and it's you know i'm sure other talent could fill my shoes most days but but you know i like the some of the decisions i made and i want to see things go the way that way like you have a point of view and it's like it's nice to have an impact so mm -hmm. totally. well and uh, as an artist especially you, you want to be like there's a creative difference that you're making because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah to us i think is that's a huge thing oh yeah yeah and, and and then i also like like i like um i like working with yusuf as an art director like uh like there's push and pull like uh, i don't know maybe uh like there's always this str struggle like I, I don't know if i'm always on his <laughs> maybe i get on his nerves a bit but like i'm <laughs> fighting for my point of view he's doing a good job i really respect what he's doing yeah, like yeah. he's done a great job there um, and we're making this Iron Maiden game. Like, at the end of the day, it's this fun heavy metal yeah. game that the fans, they feel really passionate about. Um, I <laughs> urge any 
Iron Maiden fans who hadn't played this game to check it out, but get on it. Yeah. It's is there and so <laughs> you're just talking about kind of creative differences. Is there any lessons or advice you can give people for working with clients, especially? Well, especially <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's always the thing is just to understand their point of view. Like, take it with a grain of salt. Like, uh, you have to kind of look at what they're trying to achieve and respect the IP, uh, the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who really um, care about the things you might be working on and you got to respect it and pay homage and um you know it, it's at the end of the day it's not your baby so it's like you you got to raise it the way that people might want it to be raised so um but then like you do look for opportunities to bring something of yourself to it too because um no matter what you're working on if, if it's somebody else's idea there, there may have been lots of contributions to it over the years so um you know sometimes you can take it things in a new and exciting direction as well as like kind of respecting it but that's where the problem solving comes in right that's kind of the exciting mm-hmm. like can challenge you, yeah can you do both things can mm-hmm. you can you make it feel like authentic and new mm-hmm. and, and do you um sorry i was gonna say and do you see any limitations that are present in the video game industry uh, that you you wish you could either change or uh, maybe push against it a little bit well it, it's hard I, th- I think sometimes i look at the business model like it, there's there's always movements and chasing kind of what is working for the big fellas like what what kind of money can we make and like what's the trend of the week and i think i don't know i almost kind of miss the days of like buy a cartridge for the nintendo pop Mm -hmm. it in and it's like you know it's a lot of money up front but like you sit down and have a really nice experience with it um i've been playing a lot of the mobile phone games and that's what we make we we have the free-to-play model mm-hmm. um which when i started in the industry that was brand new nobody in north america knew what free-to-play was um so we started working for nexon who had just done an amazing job bringing free-to-play to korea and i think you know it was kind of special because they what they had was an audience who could play their games for free and be part of a community and chat and also kind of like people who have a lot of disposable income (laughs) and can really finance this game like they can throw a lot of money at it every week uh and you know so so it was kind of it's almost a little democratic like people more people can play the game it's more accessible to a broader audience but um you look at how it's kind of rolled into north america and it's almost gone a little gambling-y casino casino-y i think taking advantage of people's um impulses um and I think, like, what I like is when the game kind of strikes a balance between you can play it for free. It's fine. Like, you can, you know, play it with other people and be part of the community uh, and provide an experience for other people for free if, if, if you don't have much money. Uh, or if you have a good job and you don't have as much time, you can shortcut the experience a little bit and still get a lot out of it. So I, I think that's what we've struck with our game is a bit of a balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're pretty generous with, like, Hey, just play the game, have fun. Um, yeah. You, if you can resist the microtransactions, you'll <laughs> still enjoy our, our game, and I, yeah. I like that. But um, I, I do just kind of miss the buying a, buying a title outright. Totally. Uh, I worked on some console games when I first get, got into the industry, um, and you know they sold like great. Uh, they weren't mainstream titles. Uh, kids love them though. Mm-hmm. People people pick them up from Walmart discount bin, and I saw kids reviewing it. Some of the games we played on YouTube, and they had a, such a fun time. They weren't they weren't hardcore games, but uh, they made people laugh and smile. So you know, that basically, that's you making a difference in a world, I guess. Well, well yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like yeah, that kind of satisfaction you want to yeah, draw yeah, yeah. from your title. Oh, like some kids had fun playing this game. It's like is that the so? That's one thing. 
I'm often curious about is what you you're trying to get out of your art, personal and then you know professional. Would you say that is the goal for professional work? Someone had fun. Yeah, someone had fun playing the game. Like that, you just made the world a little nicer. I mean, I mean, I don't know that. Like <laughs> I look at uh, gaming culture right now. I feel that there's a bit of toxic oh, uh, yeah. culture going on in it. But like, there are some fun titles. People can sit down, and, and I do feel it's it's despite the noise from the toxic bad quadrants of the of the culture it has gone more mainstream and i do see like a broader more diverse group of people playing games like there's women playing games there, there's casual audiences there's older people there's grandmas playing games there's um like just people like a bigger broader cross-section mm -hmm. of the populace is into video games and where, when i was growing up it was kind of like nerd culture so <laughs> uh, but and, and now but now i feel like that quadrant is upset that people have come into video games and like it's pretty funny though <laughs> i i i mean it you can laugh at it but it, it makes a lot of misery and it's a, a setting because you know a lot of my friends are, are people who try to exist online and like it just makes me upset i i don't know what i'm laughing at is the maybe the pettiness of people who are oh, who think yeah. like it's their own thing and they own it and they yeah <laughs> how dare you come into my space and not respect it yeah and it's like hey this space could be shared like you could like i always think of it like when i was younger i was like if all the cool kids were into video games as much as i was i mean wouldn't that have been a good thing they will probably would have been able to relate to me more I, i would have felt like less of an outsider so i i just i never understand this pushback um so yeah gaming culture the, yeah. The, you know there's, there's these movements i uh I've worked with the odd person who kind of uh side sided on these uh oh yeah no one I, mean, I just mentioned. i just got a frown i'm like uh like let's let's be more diverse like in the industry itself like i i want more diversity i want to work with people of all kinds like you don't want to scare people away from um working in video games i, exactly. I, I just I, i i think that was something i was conscious of when i first started working in games is just the the idea of putting up the posters of the uh really busty characters in the, that are <laughs> all over video games And it's just like making it look like a boy's treehouse isn't exactly the office place oh, yeah. that you want because it just scares people away that might like women used to be the programmers. Yeah. The, the, you know, programming was invented by women. Com com computers like in the early days, programming was uh, was considered women's work. And I just I feel like it's been stolen by <laughs> angry men. <laughs> and like I, I just I just want to work in a more diverse workplace. I would love to see 50 percent parity like. Just w women and men working on games, I think the problem solving would be so much better. You know, diversity of opinions in the room just solves everything. So, And you're noticing the kind of games that are being made right now, the the, like the fresh takes. And I, th mm -hmm. I, I think it's directly related to the gaming industry not being just that like niche group of people. I think it's because it's being opened up and the type of games that you ne would have never even thought of. You know, they're not RPG, but maybe there's some... St storytelling ones there are some oh, that yeah, are yeah. and that it's great to see <laughs> and then the point that you made about uh, <laughs> putting up posters of busty girls that's something that <laughs> man I cringe and I try to fight against uh, yeah. on any project and I think yeah. uh, I remember you know consciously when you're designing characters and uh, for the Iron Maiden games and being like come on okay we're gonna these are <laughs> warrior women they don't need to be naked <laughs> well, and, and diverse too yeah. like I mean I, I think like I've been noticing a lot of people play this Overwatch game one, one of my uh One of the guys I went to college with designed a lot of those characters, but mm. it, it was, um, you know, it's very diverse. It's a diverse cast. It brings more people in. It's great. Like, totally. I, I'm always arguing for that. Like, you can depict all sorts of people in your video games, but w why not 
depict more types of people and just portray them heroically. Like people like to see themselves in art. So I, I just, I don't know that we need more white male protagonists sure. all over the place. But also as a designer and as an artist, shouldn't, I mean, that, that'll only make your job more fun. You, you I know. Most I people know. are probably tired. Well, actually yeah. I shouldn't say most people because you go on, online and some people just keep painting the, the same the same thing oh yeah <laughs> oh totally totally i mean i i joke about like you always see kind of the portfolios full of it was like orc orcs and uh busty <laughs> women and that's the portfolio that you get in the video game industry and it's like is that all we do um <laughs> it's funny i i, I only tease because mm. I, I remember you applied with a orc but he was in in an animation reel that you did oh yeah. and uh the funny thing was that we were actually working on a game with orcs so it was the <laughs> one time i think it worked out Bl uh, blame animation mentor they're the mm -hmm. ones who gave me the rig <laughs> yeah totally totally it's yeah. like hey we're working on a game with orcs yeah, you, you I, know how to work with them <laughs> i guess it's a fun, funny point though because even the schools were the, yeah the school that's what the school gave you and i guess maybe that's their tactic of getting people into jobs more because <laughs> it, unfortunately when yeah. you look at what's being uh, getting the most money and that's what's mm -hmm. being made is uh, unfortunately that it's a uh, some reason that's what sells yeah but but again like i, I do see the industry kind of diversifying and uh mm -hmm. there's some more ideas getting made and independent games just look fantastic like i'm seeing a lot of oh, re yes. retro throwback games where smaller teams of people are doing their passion projects and you know that might be a dream of mine one day is to really like put together a good team and make something and you know that that that's where it's at it's just hey some tell some stories like get some weird stuff that wouldn't have got made a 20 years ago so and it's beautiful to see those these things possible uh last friday at, at atomic chris barasa and oh man i'm blanking his name he's an animator for darkest dungeon the, Ooh, yeah and they stopped by and did a talk and that game is beautiful and it was made by a small team yeah and yeah. they could stay true to their values and i uh, have so much appreciation for that mm -hmm. and i mean listening to those guys it sounds like it was just insane amount of work but they made their vision come true and it's kind of what you're talking about indie games. Yeah, just, yeah. It's cool to see these uh, authentic ideas appear rather than the the generic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're getting to the point where the te technology is, I wouldn't say easy enough, but but it's uh, accessible enough that mm -hmm. you know a small team of people can put together, you know, a game with a lot of moving parts and some great art style. And I, I just, it, it's kind of a, it's going to get better and better and easier and easier and. Uh, like we're hiring some of the people I've seen hired like their student projects were fully functioning games that just looked fun to play so impressive yeah it's uh, kind of mind-blowing so um, yeah <laughs> and then there's like game jams and stuff happening where people yeah. just you know they they try try out make something uh, I'm envious like that, that none of this was around when I was in school but mm -hmm. speaking of game jams look up vault 100 I think they got in a week uh, they're gonna have a game jam so look it up Ooh. it's happening <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad we turned this conversation around from being from complaining about the game industry well, to praising yeah. it. There, there, yes. There's a lot of positive energy happening. <laughs> I think it just I think it gets lost. Like it's, it's one of those like what gets reported is a lot of the negative side. And and obviously like um, if you're a woman online, like you're gonna have a different experience. Like I think people need to in the industry need to listen to other people's experiences because mm -hmm. there's, there's bad stuff happening. But again, there, there's lots of positive energy, and I think they're I hoping there's more change happening around the corner, but um, yeah, and, and, and you know, <laughs> it's 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 it can be a bright industry. I think I think there's like it's going different ways, but yeah. there's different factions in here. But mm. you know, <laughs> I like how safe your uh, 
uh, trying to describe it. No, well, I, I well mean, put, it is a land, well said. Land, land, minefield, minefield, but it's... There you go. Yeah, we try to navigate it. I, I try to... <laughs> try to make a world... Just be an ally place. for, you know, <laughs> goodness. And yeah. uh, I yeah. think that's all, what everybody in, in the industry needs to try to be because it's like... Yeah, Sometimes the fan bases, the communities are very toxic, and Ooh, uh, yeah. the energy that they yeah, I'm on a hate they throw at you if you fail, or not not if, not yeah, if you fail, you, you just do something different. You misstep, yeah. and yeah. you know it's it's a bit of the entitlement to like controlling and what you do, and I th- I think it's not the healthiest stuff, but <laughs> it, it's not like it's kind of the opposite of like you're an artist and you're communicating your singular vision and putting it out there, and mm-hmm. whether people receive it or not, like it's up to them. It's in yeah. the eye of the beholder, but. I think in video games there is that sense that like this is mine Mm -hmm. that art that you're making is mine and you did it wrong (laughs) i need you to do it this way yeah and i'm gonna get on my soapbox and it's like same with movies too yeah yeah it's a toxic fandom everywhere but i i I get it like you care about a thing but i I just wish it was a bit more civil so it's if you want it to be better make your own well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and hey, I, I, that's that's what <laughs> people should do. Exactly. Stop get, complaining. Get get, get to those game jams and try to offer your heart out there and uh, provide exactly. something. Help help other people work on their things. And then you realize know? how hard it is. Yeah. And then you you probably get it. Oh, it got it. It is hard. <laughs> it is hard. So, what is your advice for people who want to get into games? Then, I'd say. I mean, I would say uh, some of the game programs, game design programs, do seem good. And if you work really hard at your stuff and uh, spend a lot of time playing with game engines. Like you can learn enough to get a job. Um, I think there's resources online to supplement your your education. Uh, the game jams and stuff like that. It seems to be like go do that stuff. The other way to get in, I think, is through animation. I think um, there are a lot of entry level jobs in animation that um, help people work out their muscles. Like like how do you feel? Like you've kind of transitioned from games into animation, right? Yeah, I actually started as an animator in animation. Then went to games, thanks to you, to be a concept artist. Yeah, and then, and then, then I went back to animation as back, a concept yeah. art designer. Yeah, so, but I mean, do, do you find, like, my opinion is, in the animation industry, you just get more reps. Like, you're working hard, just getting stronger. Like, mm-hmm. either, like the quantity of work, I feel like, is pretty intense. But it really depends on budget and the show, but uh, it seems so. Well, one thing I've noticed, it, it felt like games had more money to, you know, higher budgets for the scale of project that was needed, which means yeah. you've got a little more, more time to make something unlike yeah. animation. But once again, I think it really all depends on what the project is. Yeah, it's the nature of the project, too. Like, yeah. a video game is this living thing. It's a giant clockwork machine. Um, you don't just pop out an episode every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything you do to a game affects the whole thing. It's like this big ecosystem. So yeah, yeah. you have to tread more carefully. Like it's it, not a standalone. Yeah, yeah you, you can't just, like, kind of do the same thing every week and you're done. You, ha- you have to... Yeah, I mean, you can break everything if you just kind of throw oh, a yeah. bunch of stuff into yeah. a video game. And so. people have, and made a lot yeah, of people they do. frustrated. They do. Yeah. <laughs> so. What about uh, advice for people who want to be just artists? Is there anything, uh, some sort of. Uh, I mean, draw a lot, keep a sketchbook. There you go. Uh, I like that. We used to ride the subway in Toronto every week. Every mm-hmm. Sunday, we would ride the subway. Uh, shout out to Bobby Chu, uh, Schoolism. What's up, Bobby? You'll never listen to this, or maybe you will. Oh, he's, a, he's a great guy, but he uh, he started a school. But well, you're great, yes. And you could take his classes too, but, uh, you know, it was almost free. You'd put $2 in, and you'd ride the subway all day long. I don't. They didn't even have a fare that expired in Toronto, so you hopped on, and we had people walking into subway cars just kind of looking around like they are on an alien planet, thinking, Where, why are all these people 
drawing me with sketchbooks. Where am I? Strength in numbers, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to call you out. No, no. It's it great. And, but, and you got good at kind of stealthily looking oh, yeah. at people out of the corner of your eye and drawing, drawing three people at the same time because once somebody caught on, you couldn't draw them anymore. They'd start posing or stiffening up. So you draw the other person, and they're like, oh, maybe he's not drawing me. And you, you wait, you wait, <laughs> and you sneak back to them when they, when they let their guard down and act natural again. <laughs> I love it. That's what I did on CBUS recently. Oh, yeah. CBUS uh, would be great for that. You yeah. feel like a weirdo, but it's cool. No, it you got to draw there in public. There's no expectation of privacy. You try not to be a creep, and you just get some drawing skills. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's there super you fun. You can do that here. I mean, I think uh, carrying that sketchbook around is, is indispensable. I love it. Uh, it's a really good skill. I need to sketch more. One thing, mm -hmm. yeah, well, <laughs> I guess that's something that el everyone will say. We all do. Yeah. I, I think I think at a certain point, you, there is a point where you, you get good enough to have a job. And I think that's kind of the threshold that everybody needs to cross. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, how far you push past that is up to everyone. I think a lot of people are trying to get famous and that's really hard. You've got to push really, really hard to get there um, if that's what you want. I think I never wanted that. I just wanted to enjoy the process. So I think it, people, people are surprised, but you can push past that threshold where you get a job and you can, you can coast a bit. Like, I, I don't know if any, I've ever heard anybody say this, but you can enjoy your job, try to do a good job while you're at work and go home and have friends and have a social life. So, well said. <laughs> you, you know, you know, and art can just be like a, a nice thing that complements your life and, and helps you bring nice things into your into your life like I, I met so many interesting people like through the burlesque crowd um i got into like i mean some of the people i had posed for me they were big into the fetish scene there's probably i hope there's people in vancouver who know what sin city is and mm -hmm. go to that that's a, a dance night there were all my models kept telling me about sin city <laughs> and all the scandalous costumes they'd wear and i thought oh i just have to go there and <laughs> I was always so nervous to do it, but when, when I knew enough people, like they kind of mm -hmm. would help me get out there, uh, get a costume that would get me in through the door, and uh, I just, yeah, felt like this is such a great thing. Like it's kinky and weird, and um, you know, it's a compliment <laughs> to your life. And yeah. I would never have known about it if my art models hadn't kind of talked it, talked it up quite a lot. So. Wow. That's awesome. Where is that? Is it on Main Street or? Um, it's all over the city. Yeah. Uh, this uh, Isaac is is this fellow who just runs these uh, kink fetish nights. I mm -hmm. think right now the Vancouver Fetish Weekend is happening. It's it's quite a big scene. I mean, you'll probably see people spilling out into the street yeah, in some really wacky see. costumes and just wait outside with a sketchbook. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> don't be a creep like Aaron said. Don't <laughs> be a creep. But you know, these are people who you could reach out to, and 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 sometimes like you know they they model for the posters for the event and stuff and they would love artists to draw them it's just like they put a lot of effort into the costuming and mm -hmm. stuff it, it's, it's a, it takes a budget to dress the part yeah. and, you know some characters you don't have to draw it all from your imagination if you want to be a concept artist you can find yeah. some interesting people that you know will serve as muses mm -hmm. and you gotta learn from life anyway so it's a yeah, really good yeah. way to go do you know at this point why you make art I think it's it's just to relax. It, it's the process. I, I enjoy the process and uh, to kind of uh, have fun with friends. I think that sharing life drawing with friends is, is just something, it's, it's a social thing now. So I always wanted it to be like that. I, I just, I think maybe 10 years ago, I just started to wonder like, 
am I going to spend all my time in, alone in the basement kind of drawing <laughs> at this yeah. drafting table here? And this doesn't seem like a good life. Yeah. So it's so not that like sometimes you don't need that downtime, like that alone time, but it's just all the time. I didn't want that. Then so. you're like, what is life about, right? What is life yeah. about? Is it being alone <laughs> in the basement? Make yeah. pictures for people to see? No, it should be warm <laughs> and friendly and, you know, community. So. Very nice. And uh, as far well as art goes, do you have a big, uh, do you have plans for, you know, next five, ten years? Do you make those? I, th I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I almost felt like I was in a rut there for a bit because mm -hmm. I was just doing the same stuff over and over again. Um, but, you know, it, it is exciting. I think I, I'm established here in Vancouver enough that I can walk down the street and run into people I know. Um, and we can go to some of these art social nights and just always have friends that we can shake hands with and hug. And uh, that makes me really happy. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sticking around. That's very important. If you know what makes you happy, that's... Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's really cool. And, and, uh, and yeah. you just keep meeting new people, too. Like, the, the people cycle in and out of the scene, and, you know, it ebbs and flows. But, um, yeah, I'm seeing more, more and more of my friends become, like, tattoo artists or just find ways oh, to, yeah. to, to get that steady income and also express themselves. And but still make art, right? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'll just keep getting more tattoos from all of my friends. <laughs> just, uh, you know. If you run out of space. Just run out of space, though. I don't know what, what to do then. <laughs> get a second body. <laughs> you can buy buy a spot on someone else's body mm -hmm. and then rent, rent some space exactly. yeah i don't know i don't know about that but <laughs> yeah uh let's see uh what's um or oh yeah, do you want to although you mentioned a bunch of artists is there uh, are there artists you currently admire a lot is there anyone you look up to i mean it, it's weird like i i don't i find a lot of people kind of do this thing where like they respect people based on how good they are, but like like how technically proficient. And there are some people in town who just do amazing things. Like you mentioned Chris Barassa, like he's amazing. You see his art, Daryl Mandrick. Yeah, yeah. Like you see their stuff, like they're, they're legends. They do a great job. Um, but I just, I just kind of like, I'm more excited about the people I know personally mm -hmm. that kind of um, are good people and treat each other with respect. Like, <laughs> no, the, those guys don't. I, I don't know them well enough. They're great dudes um, I, from what I hear. But uh, I just, yeah, I like I like personal relationships with the artists. And um, sometimes when you know somebody, you can kind of see their personality and their art. So like like your stuff is so warm and uh, like I see a kindness in your art. Thanks, man. That, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it comes through. Like it's who you are. So um, everybody draws themselves a bit mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I like seeing that. It, and it's neat when you see some art that you really dig and then, then you meet the person and you're like, oh yeah, y you are, <laughs> you are exactly <laughs> the artist that made this art. That's it makes cool. sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, and it makes the piece better oh, if you yeah. know the person. So uh, it, that's great to hear you say that. Yeah. That's a, why I started out this uh, podcast by saying you're a really good friend. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like it's clearly a really big aspect of you and the way you like to appreciate other people and their work is, is through friendship, it seems like. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, w w what use is a skill if you can't share it in a way? And um, I mean, if it's just there to make money, like, I, I don't know. I mean, not to knock dentistry, but we could have all just become dentists, uh, you know, and just you're <laughs> just looked up online. Like, what's the highest paying job? Exactly. What's in demand right now? We could have, uh, you know, oh, okay this is the thing I'm going to do. It pays the most. Um, but, you know, I, th I think drawing is this thing where uh, you got to look and observe. And the thing that you can get out of it is that you're watching somebody. 
you're paying attention. Like it's almost a mindfulness of like learning expression and um, trying to read their mind and and in, in your own mind, like uh, paying attention to how you feel about your subject matter. I mean, whether it's a mountain or and some trees and a lake or a person. And I just I always really responded to looking at people like uh, they're alien to me. I, I, I like it's hard to know what's going on inside of a person and you get to spend some time looking at them. You learn something about yourself and about them. Um, but it is, it's totally, it can be a social thing. That's why I don't like to work from photographs. Like <laughs> the, the photograph tells me yeah, nothing. Yeah. I don't know anything about this person from a photograph of them, mm -hmm. but you know. Wow, man, that's really beautiful what you said. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, you broke it down really well, why make art? Yeah, I mean, that's that's, awesome. I, I think that's like under the hood. Like that's why a lot of people like do this stuff. It's just that they like, they're observers. Like they like to look they find something interesting about the world mm -hmm. and it's it's like you can walk around and like you don't want to draw everything like a slab of concrete could could be very boring to you but you know if there's a sunset behind it bouncing off these buildings a certain way it's magical mm -hmm. and it's like okay like there's something that you respond to because it's special or unique and and i think yeah that's why i love figurative art people are so special and unique so it's like you really uh, you get to study them and sometimes it takes an artist to see that one especially like, the thing that you may not have noticed i guess that's the beauty of it too is like what mm -hmm. you choose to focus on about that person and and mm -hmm. it, and that quality just kind of just like you said is probably part of you that you're seeing in them maybe oh yeah, yeah. how you're reflecting on them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally yeah you always reflect yourself in your art too it, it's Very impossible cool. like that's your point of view like mm -hmm. you can't get your ego completely out of your art but i mean you can you can try like you you can work to to just really be the observer and and just draw what you see but yeah you're always going to have an emotional response and it'll be in your art i love it what uh, what advice would you have given your younger self before you went to institute to or university oh i don't know about that i, I was happy with the program i went to so mm -hmm. I, I think like doesn't have to be about school but yeah. is there anything you would have or just even told yourself well i don't know i, I do think i would i would probably wasted too much of my 20s pl just playing video games you know <laughs> I, I think that's one thing here you are making video games yeah i like here stop it Aaron. Or, <laughs> or find a balance like you uh you, I, when i got out of college it was almost like i i had a job i had everything going a lot of free leisure time and you know you can spend all of that indoors playing video games and i i think it was when i finally like kind of or I went to like Burning Man and, and kind of like saw a bunch of artists going wild in the desert. And I was like, oh, art can be more social than I thought <laughs> it was. And, uh, you know, I, I stepped it up and I was like, okay. That's the kind of thing where you, if you realize that sooner, you just waste less of your yeah. life. It's <laughs> 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 not like it's a uh, total waste just playing video games, but that's not stuff that like added to who I was as a person. It's so. got to be even harder these days because the games are so good. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> oh, I've, I've met people who just, just started discovering video games and I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Run. <laughs> get, get, get out of them. Stop it. I, or I mean, you know, just just play maybe a couple of the best ones or something. I, that was advice I just got yesterday from a from a talented artist. So. What do they say? Play the best ones. Just play the best ones. And oh, you're like, gonna be I stuck for days, that. though. But I'm there's still a lot yeah. of good ones, and I was like, even that could be too much. Yeah, but I like how how much of a multifaceted conversation this was. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Aaron, like... thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, thanks. I love what you're doing here. So I appreciate you uh, sharing some really really good advice. Um, how can uh, 
how can people find you uh, online? I think like I keep my Instagram up to date. I tried the Facebook page here and there, but if you just Google my name too, I think you find me, Aaron White. I did today, and you do. Artist, we do find you. Vancouver. Just, yeah, you're yeah. the first one. You're the the best one in the world. Apparently, uh, there you go. Maybe it's it's uh, tailored to you because they know we're friends. I'm but definitely a fan, so Google knows me. Yep. yep. <laughs> so yeah, just find my art. Um, but I I urge people to if they're looking to get involved in the art community to come out to life drawing nights and support them. There's a good one over at Slice of Life, the uh, art gallery mm -hmm. that's on Venables near Commercial Drive. Yep. Uh, I've been going to that and I am happy to share any life drawing techniques anyone wants to know. I won't volunteer. You got to ask me. Uh, I don't offer unsolicited advice, but if you want to know things and you can show me your drawing and, and uh, you know, I love, I love beginners. Uh, sometimes your drawings are the best. They're just passionate and you're trying and, and it shows through like I'll, I'll, I'll help and uh, I'll ask you what you want to do with the, the drawing and mm -hmm. hey, I'll help. I'm there to, to facilitate some learning. Um, we got the snag life drawing night. Yep. If you go to Dr. Sketchy's, uh, that's a great night too. So, you know, there's a, there's a kind of my three mainstays. Uh, I'm sure, do you, do you make it to basic inquiry? I think a lot of people- Not so much anymore, shame on me. Yeah, shame on me too. It, they, they do it, it's, it's there all the time. I mean, I think that's the one, if you're a trooper and you wanna really saturate yourself with life drawing, basic inquiry is going all the time. Oh yeah, get on it. One, one summer before I switched from animation to concept art, I, uh, I met Patrick Clancy and then we would do like mm. four days a week of life drawing. It was the best oh, yeah, thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, you actually notice how good you get, like you actually oh, yeah. see a difference. Yeah, the, the speed at which you improve just yeah. goes up, it skyrockets. So. Yeah, but hey, hey, hey just uh, have a beer with me at Snag or something like that and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, I just want art to be social, so it's great to meet new people. Love it. They, you can see how uh, kind Aaron is. Definitely take him up on that <laughs> and uh, let's, let's uh, continue supporting our local scene or your local scene, I guess, if you're not in Vancouver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, get this thing going, start yeah. doing your uh, own live drawing sessions and all that. Wherever you are, yeah. just make art social and support it. Do it. All right, well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate you stopping by and sharing all the wisdom. I, as a, I love doing this because I learned a lot and it makes me very happy about the <laughs> art world because it's very easy to not be very happy about the art world in our oh, own yeah. heads. Don't be a so. curmudgeon. Yeah, don't, uh, <laughs> don't get down about the stuff. Uh, you know, you're making pretty pictures at the end of the day or you're trying to. You know, you're trying to make pretty pictures. It like, <laughs> should, should be a happy, fun thing. There you go. We're throwing some meaning in there. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation. And um, if you want to learn more about Creative Theory Podcast, uh, find me, find us, Facebook, Instagram, and all that. Or just uh, yeah, reach out. See if you like. Say, tell us if you like it, or if you know someone who should be on this podcast. Let me know. Either ways, um, have a good day, and thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Complete weather cruising in a six cab. I'm on tarot deep. I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep. I keep falling, but never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. Me. World is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. World is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. World is this?